Love a rugby league same-game multi? Then you've got to check out Picklebet same-game multi. Watch your odds and payouts skyrocket when you combine your favorite team's markets like head-to-head, first try scorer, and winning margin. Picklebet, the next-gen betting app and official sponsor of the NRL All-Stars podcast. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. You'll never know if you don't go. You'll never shine if you don't glow. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, your host, here for preseason episode number seven, Manly Time, for the Manly Seagulls for 2024. Had to find a, a true fan <laughs> and another podcaster who loves Tommy Turbo. And I've got to say, we'll probably argue a little bit about Turbo this year. Brandon Savage, host of the Supercoach Experience podcast show. Find it on YouTube as well, so I don't know if I can say podcast. Everyone watches you. You've got a lot of different things, Savs, that you've got going on in the off-season and stuff, doing interviews and in the other sports as well with BBL and everything. You've, you've kept yourself busy, but I'm, I'm thankful that you've put aside some time to jump on the All-Stars podcast, mate. Welcome aboard. No, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, yeah, it's been a busy off-season. I don't think I'll do it again next season. I think we're putting things in place so we have a good schedule going on this season. But, um, yeah, it's been really exciting. Supercoach is the number one priority, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's been really exciting. And I'm excited to get stuck into Supercoach this year. It's really ramping up. Trial First trial was tonight. And that, that, I've I got to say, the trials have been so much more exciting this year and the hype for them than they ever have. I've always said trials don't look too much into them. But I'm looking too much into them at the moment. I've seen everything going back and forth on social media. Everyone's looking far too much into trials. So. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it always happens. But look, the young, the young boys and girls don't understand that five years ago we couldn't even watch the trials. Like unless somebody took some some video footage on their phone for thirty seconds at a time, you didn't ever get to see them. And now we get them on Fox Sports, like real games and stuff. It's so much better. Oh, and they're taken so seriously too. I think the preseason challenge is a good thing to get just a better gauge of how things are going. But um. Still, at the end of the day, you got to take it with a grain of salt, don't you? Yeah, you really do. Like, the opposition's different, and it's also, like, the team makeup's different too. And on top of that as well, just the intensity. And, like, these guys go hard still in trials because they're trying to win spots, but they don't, they don't go as hard as the NRL season. And more importantly, I think what we all do is that we try and decipher what stuff means. Like we're like, oh, this guy's on the bench. He's not. He's no chance at starting. And and coaches don't think like that. Coaches have got like a dozen different reasons why they use the rotations that they do and stuff. And you, you often can't guess that, those sort of things from the trials, uh, especially the, the first week. So I, I even jumped to the conclusions on that stuff. And the, the coaches always pull the rug from under you in, within a couple of weeks. All of a sudden that bloke that was on the bench is starting and round one gets named and he's won the spot even though he didn't play as well as the other guy. It, it happens every year, doesn't it? It's it's pretty hard to take much from it aside from the excitement and probably getting too excited about too many super coach options to fit in your team. 
A hundred percent. I was actually at the gym this morning and I saw the Tigers versus Warriors trial that was played from last year and Marcelo Montoya scored four tries and I remember all of us going like, oh, is it Marcelo Montoya's year? <laughs> I got him on the year before, like I had him in my side and a lot of people were like, you got him a year too early and thankfully I didn't start with him last year because it wasn't quite his year. It was the Warriors year, but um, yeah, the, the trials, you can't look too much into them. No, well, we haven't seen a Manly troll just yet, and they're the team that we're going to... Oh, we have? Oh, no, we have. Yeah, you're right. On, on. Oh, well, we haven't seen it, have we? Yeah, it, there was a hit out, uh, so we, we've gone word of mouth on what's happening in that one, but we haven't got to watch it. But uh, this weekend we'll get to, and it'll be quite interesting, especially some of the, the lesser-known Manly players and how they actually perform. But that's your team, based in Penrith, Manly supporter. And certainly the other Supercoach experience boys are Penrith boys. So you must feel like the odd man out there sometimes. Yeah, it's real interesting. My uh, my upbringing, I was a Bears supporter growing up and then they got kicked out of the comp and I was old enough to remember it. So um, I've kind of been a bit of a turncoat with my sides. I love Joey John. So I went for Newcastle for a while and I actually got a Facebook memory the other day um, of me of the day I turned to Manly. It was 2017. Uh, it's because I fell in love with Tom Trebojevich and he's probably someone we're going to talk about today. And Quite, quite um, the love affair. You've got yeah, stood up on a lot of dates and you keep coming back, mate. <laughs> I know, I know. But this is the first year I'm actually playing with my head and um, not, not starting with him. I don't oh. know. If I've, yeah. <laughs> I thought we were going to disagree heaps on this podcast, but maybe we won't. Look, we do need to have a quick chat about Picklebet. You can go to picklebet.com.au today. They are a fantastic bookie. They often have best odds in market. And when you do, make sure that you sign up and use the promo or affiliate code ALLSTARS, or all one word. Really important because that way they know to make sure they take great care of you as an ALLSTARS listener and give you some of the best offers, which they often have plenty of. They've also got great NRL markets up at the moment. So have a look at those because I'm really keen on a few of them. Uh, look, you can go for the best team in New South Wales, and the Penrith Panthers are paying a dollar ninety nine for that. Now, I tell you what, two to one for Penrith to be the best team out of the New South Wales teams that are there—that is exceptional as a market, but also the odds for Penny. So I'm all over that one. I'll tell you the other one, I'm all over. They've got the top four markets up, and some of the big, I think, value ones. The Roosters are the fourth favourites at a dollar eighty three. Now everyone's going to say Barnsley are Roosters, man. Yeah, I know, but it's almost two to one odds. Melbourne Storm, dollar ninety seven to make the top four. Those are good odds for two teams that could make the top four, and that's what Picklebet's all about. They've got a heap of markets up there at the moment. You can go on there, have a look, and they've got some great value. So jump on picklebet.com.au today. Make sure you use a referral code or affiliate code, it's often called when you sign up. All Stars, they've got great offers there. They'll take great care of you. Of course, always think, is this a bet that you really want to place? For free and confidential support, you can call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org. AU. Now, continuing the Supercoach chat. Let's start off with the draw. Let's talk about that. So for those that are tuning in for the first time or maybe forget how these ones work, we're going through the team preview and we're really looking towards round one and building your team for round one. Now, to start off in your team for round one, the important schedule points are going to be the first month and the second month, as well as looking at the buys later on potentially. But really that first four to eight weeks is, is the most important for me and what I focus on. We might chat about a lot of players. It doesn't mean that they're all going to be super relevant for round one. This is a podcast that gives you loads of info, loads of content, and then you can take with that and do what you will 
on build your own teams based on that. So for the draw, uh, one of the interesting things is that they do have in the first seven weeks, only three games at Manly. And that was pretty interesting, but I was also, I had forgotten about Manly's draw subs, to be honest. And then I kept seeing a lot of people talking up, Oh, look, I'm definitely going to start with turbo and even some other Manly players. And I was like, Maybe I've forgotten the draw. I didn't think it was that great. And I looked at it again for this podcast. They start off pretty tough. They start off with South and then the Roosters, South being in Vegas, uh, the Roosters being at home. And then they go away to Combank to play the Parrot Eels. That first three weeks is all of a sudden looking pretty daunting. Then they have a really good one against the Dragons. And that one is away though. So I believe it's a win. Then they're at home versus Penrith, uh, away versus the Warriors over in New Zealand. And then away again to play the Titans, a nice one. And then they play Para again in round eight. So their first two months of the season, there's six out of eight games, or sorry, five out of eight games that they're playing top eight sides from last year. And then there's also the Eels and Souths in there as well. So it's, it's a tough draw for me. Like, I really like the Titans matchup in round seven. I really like the Dragons one in round four, but it's not like they've got a run of those. And when they start to seem to have that even later on, if you want to hold guys... They hit the Raiders in round nine, Dolphins in round 10. Pretty nice. Uh, then they're playing the Broncos and the Storm before they have the round 13 bye. Major bye rounds, they miss the first one. Um, they do play the second one in round 16 and also the the round 20. So it seems like a mixed bag to me. And I looked at it and went, you know what? The start of that is pretty tough. How do you feel about the, the draw for Manly to come into this season? Yeah, I think that's the main reason I am not starting with Tom Trebojevic at the moment. And I have a lot of reasons why I think he is going to be a better option than previous years for his case. Um, but the draw is just way too tricky at the start. At the start, obviously, you said they've got the Rabbitohs round one. Historically, uh, round one isn't very high scoring. So whoever they were versing, we probably wouldn't have expected much from them. But then they have the Roosters who... They historically do start slow, but I'm really expecting them to come out the blocks this year. I, I think the last few years they've really underachieved, especially early on in the season. So I think they're going to emphasize on early on. Unlikely to have too many injuries as well, my roosters in round two. I, I reckon we'll get away with round one without too many. So we'll probably be pretty healthy. <laughs> exactly. And then Parramatta is a side Tommy's actually always done very well against, but Again, it's kind of the bounce back factor of Parramatta missing out on that eight last year. I don't think they're going to be as leaky in round three. And then then it does hit the Dragons, and that's when it looks good. Then he plays Penrith in round five. And then and then the Warriors, it's a bit awkward to start the year. Um, and I feel like a lot of these fullbacks do have tricky draws. So I get why people are considering over these other fullbacks. There's not that many fullbacks that have really good draws. I think Click Gutherson is probably one. But um, Tommy is someone who, against a bad draw, it, it's not that tempting. Like his base, he doesn't, his base stats aren't that great. Um, he relies heavily on attacking stats to be at the price he's presenting. And he's not going to do that for the, at least the first four to five weeks. Well, we're going to talk about Tom in detail in a second, because I'm going to unveil my thoughts on him and shocker. It's the same as yours, <laughs> but um, the, the Seagulls in general, like the player movements for them, I think, we don't. We do have some good gains. Like I think Luke Brooks is a big one. Mm-hmm. Jackson Barlow is probably going to start on the wing, so he's a starter coming in. And whether Corey Waddell gets a spot or not, we'll see. Uh, the losses 
they haven't really lost much. Like uh, Telangi was actually quite disappointing, I thought, and he's gone over to Parramatta now. Morgan Harper, I thought early on he was good, and then you know in his career, and then all of a sudden he's become pretty disappointing as well. Like the look of weeks, but he's a young fella, just didn't have a spot for him. It's, I think that they're better because I think that Luke Brooks coming in will actually help them and take some pressure off the rest of that spine as well. So I like what they've done bringing him in. I don't think they've really lost too much. Um, For me, I think they're going to push for the eight, but it really is that cliche of the broken record, isn't it? You know, but the asterisk is, is Tom Turovich going to be healthy? And if he's healthy, they can push for the eight. It wouldn't be surprise me for them to make it. I don't think they will, Uh, but, Obviously, he's never healthy. So what does that mean? And I think it means that they miss the eight. So for me, I've got him penciled in in that sort of nine to 12 range. And I think that's where they're finishing. And I think that they'll go through spurts of looking good, but ultimately will miss out at the end. And I also am not someone who believes in the coach either. So there's that other factor in there as well. How do you feel about them with you know bringing in Luke Brooks and the changes to roster and, and coming into 2024 as far as how they'll perform? I think everything is quite positive. I would have liked them to recruit maybe a better outside back. Like if they had a premium winger, like I'm not very confident on Jackson Paulo at the moment. I've heard a lot of hype about him, especially on our podcast. Mikey and Jake are very keen on him, which I don't see, especially with that draw. Um, But yeah, Luke Brooks coming in, I think that's a positive. I think it just, we all knew Schuster long-term, wasn't going to be a 5'8". Um, I'm also not sure about him playing at the edge back row. Um, I, I really hope just because of his price tag, he doesn't get locked into that spot because I think there's two better options than him that can go there in Waddell and Ben Trebojevic. Um And yeah, I think if he gets handed the spot it's going to be toxic for the side and i i think we've seen in the past he's demanded his spot in the side and he hasn't performed when he's kind of been uh what's the word kind of been presented that with no not having to try without earning it yeah he hasn't earned it yeah exactly so i really want to see him maybe bide his time on the bench um and maybe work back into a role when an injury opens or something like that so um I think everything's positive. I'm actually an Anthony Seabold believer as well. Uh, I think he's doing good things and he's brought a fresh kind of approach to the club. I think they're going to do well. Um, I personally think they're going to be fifth or sixth, uh, but I haven't sat down and done a lot of predictor or anything. I've pretty much said everyone's going to be fifth or sixth. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a really hard one to pick this year. Uh, like, Thinking about the wooden spoon in the bottom four, uh, I don't know who I could, who I can put there. Dragons are somewhere, but I don't think they'll get the wooden spoon either. So, yeah, Manly could be anywhere from fifteenth to third. Yeah, and look, it's they've definitely got some talented players in the team. I hundred percent agree with you on Schuster, and I think that it's he he needs to learn to be a professional. That's what he needs to do. He needs to gain some maturity and learn to be a professional. And unfortunately. There's two paths that young players take. One of them is that they actually pull their head in a bit and there's a lot of young guys that sort of have a bit of ego or whatever and they learn very quickly and they take the notes from the veterans and they have strong veterans in their team and they have strong coaching staff and they get pulled in and and all of a sudden, you know, after a couple of bumps in the road, they're fine. There's the other path where they just don't and they 
think that they're entitled to all this and they think the talent that they displayed when they were 15 playing against guys that will never play in the NRL is the same now when they're playing in the NRL and it's not. And unfortunately, he has not shown that he trains hard. He's got the same consistent injuries, things like calf strains and different strains and stuff. It, it doesn't help if you're not fit. It doesn't help if you're eight kilos overweight. And all these things have been part of, of Josh Schuster. So I, I'm actually completely, before we even get into the super coach side of things, I'm just flummoxed how they gave him that money and that contract. I, I couldn't believe that Manly did it based on what he showed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I, I, he hadn't proved himself last year. He he was given that number six jersey after Kieran Foran left the club, club after he pretty much made demands. They bought into it. I thought he would have repaid faith and the club would have at least waited till he showed something. I think the club is silly for re-signing him on the money they did. But they have, they've got to deal with it. He he is a talent when he's on the field. I think he does create good space when he does play at 5-8 for Tommy out the back, but he's just so inconsistent. And yeah, I think people like that, NRL players like that with that attitude never end up well in the NRL. And I'm seeing, I know this is a bit off topic, but I'm seeing similar traits to Carl Oluwapu at the Bulldogs, who yep. is kind of saying, oh, I'm a number seven. Uh, they tried to put him in lock. That's why he left the Broncos. And he's kind of coming to the Bulldogs expecting a spot and it's not working out for him. And it just seems like everything has been handed to him and he hasn't really earned it. So I think these young players really need to have a good hard look at themselves. And yeah, they might get this big contract very early on, but it's um, it's not going to be there forever. Yeah, well, sometimes a big contract early on actually loses your money. And that might sound stupid to some people when I say it, but it does because you get this big contract early on, you're not motivated, you, you haven't earned it, and you think it's just going to be handed to. And you play yourself into a minimum deal or into a contract in England. And if yeah. that hadn't have happened early, you might have had a 15-year NRL career. And it can really you know, be a double-edged sword in that regard. With Schuster, I would actually like to see... One, he's got to get fitness and he's got to get in and work. I would love to see him put in at 13 off the bench and actually just playing as a old school 13, but it's starting to come back where you're passing before the line. You can be a bit of a playmaker as well, but you've got to get in there and roll his sleeves up and he's a big body. He has to get in at work. My my issue with putting him in on an edge or if he starts on an edge ever or if he comes off the bench onto an edge is he's just he's quite lazy and he's going to be found out defensively a lot and he's not going to get his hands on the ball enough and he's just not going to do the work unless he changes his attitude, which he may very well do because he's quite young. Um, but that gives way to the other problem that I think Manly have for this year is I, I like a lot of this, the players, but they I don't like what's behind them. I don't think they've got enough depth for me. Like even the bench, like uh, some of the benches, you've got uh, Bullimore and um, Sipley and Schuster and Gordon Cheng, Kum Tong and these type of guys, which isn't awful, but it's not strong. And then you've got guys like you mentioned. Jackson Barlow is a guy that was a reserve grader at South eventually and was a reserve grader at the Roosters basically and, and came in and filled in at times when he was needed. And I don't see him being much different at Manly and he's starting. Um, and who's behind these guys? I, I just don't think you've got the depth. And unfortunately, I think that you've got a lot of salary cap tied up in DCE and the two older Trevojeviches and then Ola Kawatu who now has got a big contract um, Luke Brooks came across at 500k. I think that's a bargain. It's still a bit of money. You just mainly just always seem to have a lot of money tied up into five or six players. It's that sort of Des Hasler blueprint that even though Hasler's left the joint, it's still stuck around a little bit. And that's where I think that Manly might come unstuck. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm okay with the money that's tied up into all these other players, but I think the fact that we're investing so much money into players like Schuster, it's just, it's not smart. You've got to be the absolute smartest, smartest uh, decision maker to make all these pieces around them work. And it's just not working. And uh, the, the only thing that's going to get them out of this is if Tom Trebojevic has another 2021 year. Yeah, well, I think that uh, 143 points a game might be a stretch for Supercoach. But let's talk about the Supercoach players of note for your round one teams. Tommy Turbo is the number one guy to talk about. And look, he's coming in at a price tag of 833500 And he's also coming in off an 82 average which funnily enough, out of his last four seasons, it's his second best one. 2021, he averaged 143. I'm just going to say straight from the outset when I'm talking about his numbers, I'm going to throw 2021 out the window because that's not going to happen again. And there's several players that had outlier seasons and we all know about the attack and the different rules and stuff that were in 2021. But I was actually surprised Sav, when I was going through the numbers, like I I do this as well. I've got this, you know, I, this thing in my head where I say to myself, Trevojevic has always been otherworldly in his play and his super coach performances. 82 points in 2023 is elite. It's really good. Uh, 2022, mm. he went 61 points. 2020, he was 67 points. Now, it's nothing to sneeze at, but it's not phenomenal. And in my own memory, if I were trying to remember how he went, I would have said, you know, 72 to 77 points in those seasons or something. He was nowhere near that. So I do think that we get carried away with Tommy in our heads sometimes. Um, but the big thing with me, and it's, people will say, don't go on about his injuries, Barnsley. Look, you can't plan for injuries. But to me, it's just going to happen with him because when you're looking at his numbers, like he's played 11, 7, 15, 7, and 12 games, five years. Okay. If it happens for a couple of years, you see guys come out of it. You know, it's happened with a lot of sports people across all different sports. You know, I remember Steph Curry in the NBA, he had bad ankles for like three years kept breaking them, kept twisting them. Everyone thought as well. And then he snapped out of it in his mid-20s and he was one of the best players in the NBA. Tom's done it for five years, mate. Like once you've got five years of that sort of data, it's not will he get injured, it's when he will get injured. And that's always going to be such a big concern for everyone. Yeah, 100%. I've actually got some good points against that. Uh, but with um, like with Tedesco, for example, he did a few ACLs quite early on and he's really gotten over that. He's really durable now. I thought Tommy at his age would have gotten over that by now. And it's kind of at the point where it's like, is he just going to be this forever? Like, is he not going to live up to his potential? Uh, We know everyone's just very hyped about him because he's such a good player and has the biggest ceiling in Supercoach by far. And he, he showed it year in, year out. And that 2021 season has just made people go crazy for him. But last year he got injured in Origin 2 with a pec injury. He's usually out with a leg injury or hamstring injury. Last year doing that pec means his legs have rested for over a year now without an injury. So that's probably the longest time since about since he came into the league that he hasn't had an injury to do with his leg. I think that's a real positive for him. And I just think last year he came into the season really tender and you could tell he wasn't 100%. If we see him round one running at full flight, then there's no saying that this is the year where he, where he turns the corner. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of after so long, you, you just expect him to be hurt. Yeah. Um, but if he does obviously play the season, he's going to be one of the elite options. Look, I'm not writing him off. He'll be an elite option anyway. You know, he's going to score well. I'm not going to talk anyone out of getting Trevojevic in. If you decide he's one of your fullbacks, all power to you, he may very well kill it. Uh, some other numbers I'll throw at you, though, Sabs, is that when you're looking at the first 10 rounds of his last couple of seasons, it's not phenomenal. And that's one of the things that really helped me decide not to consider him. 71 points per game in his first, you know, between round one and 10 in 2023. And in 2022, it's 59 points per game. He hasn't actually set the world on fire at his first third of each of the seasons. Uh, It's actually been later on. And if you go through his numbers, like the the first portion of last season... He went 97, 103, which was great. And then he 58, 106, 26, 57, 37, 82, 41. They're all 80-minute games. And, like, they were good scores, but none of them were going to hurt you. And, like, if he falls over for a few tons in, in eight or nine games, I'm not that worried about that because the other elite fullbacks now, and this will be my biggest counterpoint to starting with Tom Trebojevic, he's leveled out with the other guys. You know, in some somewhere like 2021, he was so far and above everyone. But now it's like, well, you're not really going to fall behind if you pick some of these other options. You're not going to fall behind Trevojevic if you pick a Ponga. You're not probably not going to fall behind if you pick a Drinkwater. You're probably not going to fall behind if you pick a Gutherson. You know, there's, there's all these options now. And there's other ones too I haven't even mentioned. All these options that are basically all in the same tier one category, whereas before I think he was probably a tier above. Mm. I'm not really that worried about it anymore when I look at the numbers. Yeah, 100%. That's something I haven't even considered. Uh, I think we went, we did our fullbacks podcast the other day and we went through probably 10 or 11 premium fullback options and the field is just so hot and heavy now. It used to be Tedesco and Turbo back in the day and I feel like a lot of super coaches have just got that nostalgia of thinking you've got to get Turbo and that's why they're so stuck on thinking that if you don't have turbo, you're going to fall behind. But it's not really the case anymore because all these other fullbacks pretty much have, uh, they've structured their play around their fullbacks and they're getting as many attacking stats as every other fullback in the competition. And yeah, it's just a high ceiling position now. And I think it's just proof in the pudding that you've probably got to go double gun fullbacks from the start uh, because it's just, it's so crucial. Oh, you 100% do. Um, and there's like that's the first feedback I give to anyone. If anyone goes for like a cheapy second fullback, I always say, I don't think you can do it. And there's very few team builds that I say, I don't think you can do it. Like I reckon you could have 50 different team builds and it's it's going to be fine. But that 51st one where you've got a cheap second fullback, I always say you can't do it. And I still believe that. There's just too much value in the fullback spot. He did throw up 165 points in a game against Canberra last year. Now, that is a that is super elite territory, and that is going to really hurt you, especially if you get a captaincy against you with 165. You know, that, that stings. We did see a lot of other fullbacks be able to get those 150-plus scores last year too, though. So yeah, those ones do hurt you, and I don't want to not give him credit. He does have those bigger ones in him that maybe some other guys don't. But I think that we have also, like said in the past, a Ponga, a Gutherson, and a Drinkwater, they don't have those massive games in them. And they all they all did. Like you got the 150s, the 160s, 170s from those guys last year. And they started doing that now. And to me, that sort of brought draw back into it. And probably what I'll finish on with Turbo for me is that when you consider that the pack has sort of come up 
two turbos level now in the in the type of ceilings that a lot of these fullbacks have. And a lot of them have a better floor too, like Caitlin Ponger, for example, has a goal-kicking turbos, you know, base is 28 raw base, which isn't phenomenal. He does have some decent base attack, but he's he's relying on attack. Mm. And as good as Turbo is, he's got 22 points a game from his, you know, line breaks, line breaks, his try assists last season. And if he's got that draw starting, I'm not confident he's going to reach that. And then all of a sudden, you've got a guy scoring, you know, 60s potentially for an average in his first four or five weeks. And these other guys that have a good draw that are basically playing the same as Turbo now for super coach purposes have got a, a much bigger leg up. Now, I'm not going to write him off. He's got every chance to just go 300s in a row at the start of the season because all these guys do. But law of probability, I just don't think it's going to happen versus some of these other guys that have a better draw. Yeah, and that's it. He's got a pretty tricky draw at the start of the season. Plus, he's the fifth most expensive player in the game. Uh, I'm actually going two fullbacks who are cheaper than him. So, one, I, I think I'm going to get a better output from these guys, and I'm also saving cash. So uh, if he was 700K, I think we'd be having a different conversation. But the fact that yep. he st- he averaged 83 last year, I mean, I mean, it's crazy considering it looked like he was on one leg. But he's just too much for unknown, and I love him. I really do want to start with him. I got to the point a couple of years ago where I'm like, I can't not have turbo in my side. I tried to make it my identity at one point, but it was, um, it, it's, it's not fun. Uh, I think you've got to look at it logically. And I know a lot of people do love turbo, but his time will come this year. And if he's fit, his time will come. Yeah. And look, if he's fit and people start with him and he just is on fire at the start, it's going to be a great pick. And I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to discourage anyone from doing it. I will say one other negative for Turbo, though, is that these other guys don't have, is that if, if he does have that, like, 150-point uh, explosion, Savs, the thing that offsets it is that you also cop the next week injury, and that injury game, he ends up throwing up a 30 or something. You know, and people don't take that into account, right? They look at, oh, look, he's throwing up 150. Great, people missed out on that. That's really going to hurt teams. But you know what doesn't hurt teams? When, when Gutherson doesn't get injured, and, you know, throws up a 30 the next week, and then you have to wait a week. Like, he had a game last year against the Tigers where he was hobbled. He was clearly hobbled. He played 70 minutes, uh, went off with 10 to go, and he played injured, and he scored 37 points. The following week against the Titans, he actually sat it out hurt, and you had to have that money on your bench and cop a 37 from him, and then he came back. And that's happened multiple times. Like, it's... You've got that downside too that I think that we forget about with guys that are injury prone, that you're going to cop a bad score as well and also have to hold them potentially. It really is Russian roulette, except it's like there's like three bullets in the chamber, not one when you're pulling that trigger. Yeah, yeah, it's it's real unlucky and uh, real risky with him. He He's very stressful to own. I don't need the stress in my life. I'm older now, maybe my younger days. <laughs> DCE, let's talk about him. Um, he had a, a phenomenal season himself. And I think that I spoke about this on the other podcasts with, with the, the halfback options. It's, uh, look, some people are going, look, I'm going to not get Heinz and Cleary. And that's really the people that we're talking to. I'm not going to try and change anyone's mind from a Heinz or Cleary, and I'm sure you're not going to either. Nope. But for those teams that are looking at an alternative, uh, DC has to be there. Now, I'm actually going Moses and Heinz at the moment myself. Anything I say on the podcast, everyone, I'm putting the caveat in, I may change any time. You know, don't hold me to it for round one. But DCE came in and averaged 77 points in 2023. 
that was a full 11 points better than 2022. And the only season that was better was 79 per game in that 2021 season that we already said was super inflated. So he had a phenomenal year and he had a phenomenal year at the tender age of 34. Now he's about to turn 35 shortly. That is getting pretty old, but he didn't look like he was slowing down last year. Uh, had a pretty similar base base attack to Turbo, funnily enough. 26 base, only two off what Turbo had, and a 15 base attack. So all in all, he, he had a 40s floor, and that's something that's really good for him because a lot of halfbacks don't. Uh, and he had some massive games. So he actually finished the season with a 153 and a 146. Now, it's probably no coincidence that... Three of his five tons came from when Turbo was not around. Uh, he also got some goal kicking in some of those games, so that's got to be noted. Um, but he did have five tons, and two of them were absolutely monstrous. Um, and he does like to beat up on bad teams. So if he does have a good draw or you want to hit him up for something like that Dragons game, he could he could go berserk. He did that 146 against the Bulldogs and the 153 against the Tigers. Now... That's all the good stuff. Uh, the bad stuff, unfortunately, is that he's going to come in pretty expensive still. So, I mean, if you're looking at saving money on a Heinz or a Cleary, he's 782000 So it's not like he's going to be cheap. And the other thing that I think uh, has probably gone under the radar with him, three out of the last four years, his first third of the season has actually been under what his price point has started at. So he hasn't started well. And obviously the one that he did start well was that crazy 2021 year. So even if you're just looking at the last two years, uh, he's gone 70 and 71, which is good, but it's not as good as other parts of his season. For the first third of the season, it was a lot worse. And it's also six points below where he's priced at for this year. So if you're going to you know, get a 71 out of him when you're paying for a 77 and you're foregoing some of these other guns, I just can't see it. Um, and he is turning 35, and they do have a hard draw. So I was going to say, as a draft, I think he could be a premium option, but I'm not even sure that I want to pay the price for him in draft at the moment. Yeah, it's it's interesting because once you once you miss out on clearing Hines, if, if you're not the first or second pick, you probably want to go one of these gun fullbacks. Um, but Daly Travis, I'm looking at his numbers from last year, and they're absolutely crazy. He... He did have a low score of 34, but apart from that, it was at least 45, which it's not that great. But after that, there's 55s and then just so many tons. Great floor. Great floor. Yeah, great floor. And it just seemed like last year he was just getting at least one try assist, two try assists every game. Uh, He absolutely runs that side. Uh, I think Luke Brooks coming in is a bit of a worry. Maybe Luke Brooks takes a bit of... uh, takes a bit of work off him uh, with Tom Trebojevic back in the side as well. He, I don't think he's going to average near what he averaged late in the season last year. And I think defenses are a lot weaker at that point of the year. So I think the back end of the season, we can't really look too far into. We've got to look at the start of previous seasons. And last year he did start pretty well, but that was without Turbo in the side. Uh, Garrick was... Uh, no, Garrick was not goal-kicking. Uh, Garrick was kicking early in the year. I think the main thing is he's only 130K less than Nathan Cleary. So if you can get to DCE, you can probably get to Cleary. So uh, I just think the difference there is you may as well go Cleary. Yeah, he's going to be a super pod. And his credits are that he's got a great floor, like you mentioned. And 
he's very consistent, like 60-plus scores 64% of the time for the last two years in a row, and before that it's 59 and 60% of the time. He's very, very consistent. He's he's going to get you 60-plus more often than not, and he's never going to give you, hardly ever going to give you bad scores like you said. I think your Brooks point is really good. Uh, that that may take away from him because he he has not really played recently anyway with a, a good number six, and people will say, oh, Barnsley, Luke Brooks isn't. Look, he's not bad. You know, he's he's played with makeshift sixes and not great sixes lately. And Luke Brooks is a legit one that can take kicking responsibilities off him at times and playmaking responsibilities. I think it's going to be great for Daly Cherry Evans' game in real life. It may not translate to being great for Supercoach, though, having Brooks there, yeah? Yeah, for sure. So moving along, we've got Ruben Garrick, another gun, and Manly have got quite a number of guns. Garrick's playing centre now, so that's a big change for him. It's pretty hard when you're looking at Garrick because we've got such a huge career of him playing either on the wing or, or a pretty large portion as well where he's actually filled in at fullback when Tommy's gone down. And that can always be a, a bit of a positive. That he's going to get that fullback jersey if Tom does go down. But he comes in at 722,500 subs. That is expensive for a centre wing. And for centre, we did get a 73 game per game average with four centre games in 2023. So we did get a bit of a look at it. But in saying that, you know, when you're having a look at it, it really got blown out to 73 points per game, mainly because of one massive score of 169 he had there where he played centre against the Dolphins and absolutely killed it. His other scores at centre were 26, 62 and 35, which isn't anything to write home about if you're paying 722000 So once again, great value as far as his floor um, because he's going to have that goal kicking. He's going to have a better base because of his uh, move to the centre. He should get more tackles and still get quite a few runs. I am really worried about paying that for Ruben Garrick, though, when he's not going to get that turbo right to left cutout ball that sends him across the line on the wing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, with Ruben Garrick, 722000 I think playing at centre, obviously he's not going to get that cutout ball, but he's also playing alongside Daly Cherry Evans and Ola Kawatu, so maybe that could be a positive for him. But that's given he plays on the right side. When he did play at centre last year, he did play on the right side and Cooler played on the left. Um, maybe they swap back around. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I think with the sample size, you probably can't go near him at the price. If he was a lot cheaper, you'd probably think about it because he's a goal-kicking centre wing who is obviously a, a gun, especially when he's in the right position. But, yeah, I think he's just someone at the price that you just watch and wait till he goes down to 550K and then Origin comes around and he fills in at that fullback slot. I actually don't know if he's going to fill in at fullback even this year since Cooler did so well there last year. So, even that's another watch. Yeah, I think so too. We need to see how he adjusts to that um, that centre spot. And to be honest, like the eye test, I didn't think that he looked great at centre last year when he was there. Did you Did you like him at centre? Because I didn't think he was bad, but I, I didn't think that he was as, as effective. I, I get why they're doing it. Uh, I think he's done so well at fullback and uh, his yardage was one of his better traits, I guess, but yardage on the wing is where it's the second best position to use if your yardage is the best thing. Uh, I think he's got a bit of ball playing in him. So, so I do like him in the centers. 
I just think he's a more solid center than they have options. If they had better options in the center, I'd 100% want him on the mm-hmm. wing, but I, I'm okay with him playing in the center. It's obviously sucks for super coach, but um, I think they're playing to their strengths. And uh, I, I just think if Tommy does get injured, they just have a clear plan with who goes back to fullback, whether it's Cooler or Garrick. I remember last year they they messed around with KO Weeks going there, and I understood that as well because I think they wanted to get the reps at centre for Garrick, uh, which is not going to pay dividends for them this year because uh, he's only played four games at centre, so he's it's going to be learning a new position once again coming into the new year when last year uh, he could have been had 10 games under his belt at centre. Yeah, that's true. And you raise a good point. It probably would be Cola who goes into fullback and not Garrick. So if he even loses that, mm-hmm. there's so much uncertainty. Like, I think you look at the numbers and go 71, 71, 88, the last three years average, solid as a rock, sign me up. But you've got to consider the context of him playing a different position and uh, and a hard draw on top. Uh, I just, I couldn't go near him. There's, if you're going to spend that, there's, there's a lot of other centre wing options that look better. Uh, Ola Kawatu. I have really liked him since Manly have brought him through, and he comes in at two hundred bucks off seven hundred thousand. The last three years in a row, he's continued to get better and better. He's gone from a fifty-eight average in twenty twenty-one to sixty-five to sixty-nine. His try scoring is a big part of his Supercoach scoring, but you can't really discount it because he's been really consistent with his strike rate. He scored ten tries, ten tries, and eight tries the last three years when he's really been playing NRL as a starter. So he's going to have that, and it's been consistent strike rate. So you can expect probably nine or ten tries out of him again. Um, I'm not sure whether he's got any more growth, and this is probably the big conundrum that a lot of super coaches have, right, Savs? It's uh, has he peaked? Does he have any value growth? Or if he doesn't, am I happy to pay for the amount of points he's going to give me at the position? And look, there's that many... There's that many second-row forward options that are cheap, that are undervalued, that are going to give you value. And if they don't, they've probably got a better draw. Um, it's I find I think that he's on the numbers on the 69 average. I think that he can average pretty similar again. I just think that it's pretty hard at that second-row spot to pay for that with the draw that he's got as well when we just said he's relying on a try every every second game to be able to maintain that sort of scoring as well. Yeah, 100%. I actually like him... Against the tougher draw, I, I know he's he's an attacking second rower, but I, I think with the tougher draw, he's more like, likely to get more tackle busts. Whereas, I think the um the weaker teams kind of just I, I don't I don't know with the with the more teams he plays good against. Uh, like he got twenty points in tackle busts against Newcastle last year, twelve against Penrith last year, fourteen against Melbourne. It's just a long list of teams where the better teams where he's getting more tackle busts. And I think that's something that you can keep in his base score, if that makes sense, Um, because that's where he gets a lot of his week-to-week nice scores. So early on in the season last year, he scored a double and only scored 60 points. Uh, I think that was really concerning last year when he was scoring tries and still only averaging 60 when someone like Fafita was scoring one try and tutting up every week. So I think the fact that there are other premium options that are available that have a massive ceiling, I can't go near him at the moment. I'm so negative on all the Manly players at the moment. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be because I was so hot on him early in the season, but I've looked into it and he's high score before the last two weeks, which 
I think we can accept that we're probably going to write it off. 177 points with one try is pretty hard to replicate. <laughs> it is very hard. 70, 72 points in, what's that? CRE. Uh, yeah, create the creating stats. So that's in his uh, line breaks, line break assists and try assists. So that is huge. Yeah. So apart from them two games, his high score was 81 throughout the season. And I can probably name a handful of, super coaches in the second row that I can guarantee will score more than 81 within the first 10 rounds. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's just, he's such a good player and I want to get him in my side at some point. Um, One of the big numbers for him is actually 10 out of his 24 games, he went 70 plus, which is really nice. But he just, like you said, he just doesn't have those, that many big ones in him. And he still needs a bunch of tries to be able to do what he does. Um, But he's... Tackle breaks and offloads have been 13 and 16 points a game in the last two years, and his base has been 42 and 44. So really solid base and base attack numbers that I really like from him. Uh, he set himself a really nice floor where he doesn't really have bad games, but he just doesn't have that ceiling for me to pay 700K for him to start with with a bad draw. So uh, in draft, I'll probably you know enjoy drafting him in the, in the middle round somewhere, and I'll, I'll get to own him for the year in draft, and I'll be happy with that. Do need to take a quick break from the footy talk to talk about a brand new partner of the All-Stars podcast, and that is oneworldcourier.com.au. You can jump on One World Courier and have a look, but if you own a business, no matter how small or big, they can take care of all your freight and shipping needs. They also can help you out. Just if you work somewhere and you're in charge of shipping or you need to get courier services done, they're the best in the market. And I'll tell you why One World Courier are the best because they have a platform that basically compares the market, allows you to choose the best service and the best price for you. If you go on there and sign up, then you're eligible to start looking. If you need to ship or courier anything, just go and have a look. They'll give you all the different prices and services that are going to be available for you in your market, and you can just choose the best one for you and the cheapest or the one that you think is going to give you the best service. But I tell you what, when it comes to service, One World Courier will give you the best. They've got five-star service, I guarantee it. And they are fantastic to deal with and really unique in market. They've got that compare the market uh, ability with their platform and everything as well. They also take care of all the shipping and everything as far as making sure you've got a warranty included and they track that shipping from point A to point B to make sure it always gets done great and professionally. So jump on to oneworldcourier.com.au today. When you do, go to sign up just to create an account. If you want to see some of the rates and things to compare them to your current service. And when you do that, there is a referred by box. Just make sure you do referred by all stars. Just all stars is fine. And that way, I guarantee you, they'll give you some of the best service. But also, they'll make sure that you get some of the best rates to start with as well as a referral from the all stars podcast. But go on to oneworldcourier.com.au and sign up today. They'll take great care of you. They'll give you the best rates. And they'll also give you the safest shipping service. Now, back to the footy talk. Time to go on the big balls pod. Mm-hmm. This is a guy I've actually seen in a few sides that have been sent to me, and I sort of like went, "Ah, people are putting cola in their sides." <laughs> I I didn't really expect it, and that was another one that made me look at the manly draw again. And it's not a I can definitely confirm it's not a good draw to pay five hundred eighty one thousand four hundred dollars to start uh, cola into your centre wing. But in saying that, he's coming in. Averaging 44 points in 2022, 57 points in 2023. And I think that a lot of people are remembering the end of last season where he absolutely brained it. And I was really shocked at how well he managed to play at the end of the year. But 
there is a big caveat here, isn't there, Savs? At the end of the year, when he was scoring big points, he went 188 versus the Tigers, 125 against the Bulldogs. It was from the fullback jersey. Yeah. Now, if you take those games out and you just look at how much he scored at centre last year, across his 17 games at centre in 2023, he actually scored 45 points a game. So that's 12 points below where he's priced at. So his price has actually been jacked up yeah. because of those two big games at fullback. Yeah, yeah. I think at the start of the season, you've got to look for value every year. And I've been looking for these gold mines who average well at the start of the season, like your Carrazas who started really well when they weren't injured and then injury pretty much affected them for the rest of the season, but it's gone the other way with Cooler. Uh, he only averaged 40 until round 20. He lost money uh, and he only started at 460K. He went down to 334K at his lowest, which is, I mean, that's a cheapie we're talking about this year. Uh, he played three games at left center where he he's expected to play this year and he scored 34, 28 and 21. Not very it's good. not very good. Tell you another good thing, not very good thing. 12 out of his 17 center games last year, he scored below 50. 40s, 30s and 20s for like 80% of his games plus. It's not good reading. So yeah. if you think that he's a great pod because he's young and he's getting better and he had those big games last year, don't do it. He's a big balls pod, all right, because you have to get super lucky with him and he's a big balls pod I'm not going to endorse. Um, let's move along and talk about another one. And it's not really big balls. I'm just going to call him a pod, out-and-out pod, uh, Paseca. So Paseca quietly had a pretty productive season and he's in that troubling front row forward spot. He actually averaged better than what uh, his 54 average in 2023 suggests. He had a game that went probably went by a lot of people when they're looking at his average. He only played uh, five minutes and got two points for his final game of the year. And that really affected his average. Uh, his true average was actually 58 per game, if you take out that injury-affected one, priced at 54 coming in. So already you, you have four points immediate value because he played 48 minutes a game last year, considering uh, the losses that Manly have, considering that Lodge isn't back until what, round five or something. Uh, I think that Manly's middle is going to need Paseca and he's going to need to be the dominant front rower in that pack. I don't think they're going to be relying on Aloi more than him uh, and certainly not the bench guys. So I can see a world where he actually becomes a bit of a low-key pot option. I guess the problem with someone like Paseca Savs is he doesn't have much ceiling. Are you happy to pay 555000 to get 55 to 60 points out of him at the front row forward spot? And that's probably the question with him because his PPM has always been well over one PPM. It's always been fantastic. It's just about the minutes. If he manages to bust out 55 minutes a game, it could be a 62 to 65 average. Where do you see his minutes and his role sitting? Yeah, if I see he gets 60, uh, 55 to 60 minutes first week, uh, he's definitely on my radar. I've always loved Paseca. I think he's going to be a good super coach option one day potentially. I, I can also see him going to the point where he is always promising the world uh, but never delivers uh, just because of the minutes. It's probably him as a player and that's why his PPM so good because he, he doesn't play that many minutes. But um, 
he's someone I've always been really interested in, but he's always been just way too much to take a punt on. And that's the exact scenario here at the moment. It's funny how I've got the exact same stat you had that he averaged 57.5 until that last game. Uh, so that puts him down to 54. So there is a bit of value there. Uh, there's not heaps of value in the front row. So uh, he's someone you can potentially take a punt on if you want someone at that price who's an easy stepping stone to Payne Haas quite early. Uh, but uh, someone you actually haven't got mm. on the run sheet here who I think could impact his minutes is Nathan Brown. He's actually not added into Supercoach at the moment, but he was uh, just added into the top 30 because Christian Tupelotu got uh, let go, and he's averaged at a 33 from last year. So he'll come in at about 300K. I've always liked Brownie. He's a bit older now. Um, I'd be interested to what role that they plan on on playing him in. I mean, yep. I think ideally, like what I w- what I would like to see is someone like Brown at thirteen and just just play Travoyevich at ten, you know, and just just play him at prop like yeah. New South Wales are now. I think that's better for everyone, but I just don't know whether Seabold's going to do that. But it's an interesting point because I forgot about him and and he's still got some talent and some things to offer. Uh, Paseca was playing mostly in the fifties last year because he's. 48 coming, including that um that five-minute game. It's interesting, out of his games last year, he had 15 out of 17, the raw 50-plus, and the two that weren't 50-plus, he scored a 47 and a 39. So he isn't one of those front rowers that's going to give you a poor score. You always know that you're going to get good ones, and you're, you're mostly always going to get 50s and 60s. Uh, that's It's pretty good stability. It's just a shame that he's 555K, and I think that's the issue. So we're both looking out for for five extra minutes a game because he's really just all about the base with a 46 base last year. Um, it's it's just the minutes that he needs. Let's move along. Rising gun. And it feels funny putting a rising gun on here that's actually pretty old. But look. <laughs> 200 games plus. I think Luke Brooks might finally do it. Um, he's, he's averaged a 58 and that's his yep. best season. He's been pretty solid aside from 2020 where he averaged 44. The other four out of his five years, he's gone 55, 52, 54, and 58 points per game. That's pretty solid scoring. Uh, he's going to come in on a 55 average. I think that he can hit 60 plus. So the normal gun criteria of 60 plus, I think Brooks will get there, which is why I've got him as a rising gun. Having said that, you know, how much can you take away from what he was doing last year at the Tigers? Because I think that he's going to enjoy being third fiddle in the spine at Manly. Uh, and I think that he's going to flourish doing that. Mm. And he only scored like three tries last year. I think that he's going to get some inside balls off a turbo break and off a DCE break even and things like that, that we'll see his tries go up from what, what they have been. You know, three tries last year for a halfback like him. I think he can do more. He's only just turning, um, he's only just turned 29 as well. So he's not that old. You know, he's not in his 30s or anything yet. I think he's still got a lot to offer. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of a late bloom prime from Luke Brooks in this situation. Now, is that enough for Supercoach though? Because for Supercoach, it is tempting to look at your sixth spot and go, I I need to put someone there and I don't want to spend on two of them. He's only 560,000. So I will be super controversial here, Savs. Mam has been reasonably popular. Uh, I think that Luke Brooks will probably outscore Ezra Mam at about the same price. I I agree. Oh, I 100% agree. I actually think, uh, unpopular opinion, I think Ezra Mam's a bit overrated because that grand final performance, but that we're not talking about Ezra Mam today. Um, still a great player. I'm not putting shit on him, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I really like Luke Brooks. I started with him a couple of years ago, and he, he started 390k uh, that year, and he got up to 480k and made me 80k, and he did exactly the job I needed. I just needed him to plug in, score a couple of 50s for me. He actually scored a couple of 70s for me, which was great. And then, yeah, move on. Bringing up foreign stats here. So in 2021, foreign scored 44 points per year. Then he scored 43 in 2022. When he went over to the Titans, he actually averaged more. He averaged 46.2. So what that tells me is the 5'8 position for Manly is actually, they don't need to do much. So that worries me with Luke Brooks. Um, the, The fact that in a side that needs him more, he potentially scores more, but I can see it going the other way around as well, where he is just comes off the back of Tommy's brilliance. Like I can already picture it. Luke Brooks going to the line. He's got all, he's got uh, Ben Trebojevic next to him on his left or whoever his back rower is. He's got Tommy out the back or he can go himself. And I just see a lot of the time him benefiting from that play, whether Tommy finishes it off and uh, or passes it to the winger, gets a try contribution regardless my gut feel says he's probably going to average more than he's priced at, but everything on paper is telling me he's not. Yeah, I, I think that he will, and but I don't think you can start with him purely because it's not going to be enough value, and it's in even though six is tough, it's still in your halves where you can get some upside, and I think that the biggest thing is a draw. And I keep coming back to it. I would actually be half tempted by a bit of a Luke Brooks experiment, or at least put him on my watch list for the first couple of rounds and maybe look at a downgrade to him. If they had a really good draw, it's just that they don't. And he's also going to have to fit into a, a new system, a new team. So I think that he'll be enthusiastic, but I think that it also might take him a month or two to actually know where to chime in and how, and also, you know, where, you know, that he should be, you know, backing up Tom Trebojevic all the time and things like that. It might take him a little bit of time to get used to that. Uh, but I do think that it, what you said with foreign is really valid, but I also think they're, they're really different players and you've got to look at that. Sometimes the numbers won't tell you everything, which I know you know, but something with Luke Brooks that I've noticed is I think that he's been much maligned because he hasn't been able to lead the Tigers anywhere. But I don't think that he does well with the pressure. And he comes into this job now at Manly yeah. with zero pressure. Kieran Foran's the sort of guy that that likes it. He's a super competitor. He's happy yeah. to fight for that number one alpha spot. Even if he's got DC and Turbo there, he'll still fight for that, you know. Whereas Luke Brooks shies away from that. He doesn't want that. And he's not going to get pushed into it at Manly. He's actually going to be able to play third fiddle. And it's pretty much the first time for most of his career. I think he'll flourish doing that myself. Yeah, and his running game is his best asset. Like, he's very quick off the line. I actually love him off the line. He's so quick. He can just rely on that. Uh, If he just relies on that all season, he will do great this year. Um, The thing that does also worry me is just, I've said it every year, when Brandon Smith flopped at the Roosters early last year, supercoach-wise, I've said since then, don't rely on new combinations too quickly yeah. because uh, I think it's always been the case, but we're always just way too excited for these players to come in and kill it straight away. It does happen. And I think Luke Brooks is possibly an exception just because the, the continuity of Manly is already there. So he kind of adds to that. 
but um, I've always been very wary about combinations, uh, especially since Brandon Smith. It's a great point, and it's it's a it's going to take him some time. Uh, I will say with his super code scoring, like last season, he only actually had two games below the 40, below forties. Wow, which, which is actually quite good, um, especially when you consider you know the Tigers team he was in and the different people he had around him at times and stuff. You know, to only have two games below forties is actually a pretty good floor for him. So that's a plus. And for me, can't start with him and probably won't end up getting him in with the other options that are available. But in draft, I'm going to mention draft again. I reckon you can get him like towards the, the late middle rounds and as a six that you're going to need and they're going to go pretty quick. He's going to be real value there. So I'll, I'll target him in draft for sure. He's a perfect draft guy because he can fit in both positions as well. Yep. Perfect. Uh, look, we're going to talk about some controversial takes and mistakes that I think people could make with their super coach sides. And people will think that I am the Travojevic brother basher because I just seem on these podcasts every year to bash the Travojevic's as options. I don't mean to. I, I love Jake Travojevic. He's a very polite, well-spoken young man, great ambassador for the game. He's also a guy that is going to be 30 when the season kicks off. And he is like 40 in NRL years with how he's played and, and how he's tapered off. He actually had a slight resurgence last year, Savs, averaging 53 points a game the year before it's 50. Uh, he was declining for several years before he actually upticked by three points a game. But price at 53, he might even be overvalued. Like I, I think that he's probably going to average between 50 and 53. And he's not getting any younger. He's obviously a guy that completely relies on his base, which is okay. But he's little plays with his brother and everything have completely gone. He went through last season scoring one try and it was in the last game of the round and it was a 55-point score. Um, he had games last year where he played mostly 80 minutes. Uh, he had one that he played 58, some 70s, but he averaged 77 minutes a game. So it's not even like his minutes are going down. It's just that he's got a 52-raw base. He scored one try. He's got one try assist. And you know you could probably find a lotto ticket in a bin more easily than being able to find a Jake Trevojevic offload or tackle break these days. You just can't do it. So I can't see him as, a, as an option. And if people are looking at it, I think it's nostalgia and it's maybe newer super coaches that need a bit of a heads up. Yeah, I was actually looking at him this time last year uh, just because new coach, uh, there was talk he was going into the front row. He was available at front row and he was pretty cheap. So I think last year... I heavily considered it, but but I didn't go there uh, because I thought this is exactly what was going to happen, and it happened. Uh, I don't know if he's if he'll regress. I just feel like he's just going to be more of the same. There is an issue of him potentially losing minutes. Uh, they do have a few middle forwards coming on board with Nathan Brown, Paseca, Sipley is emerging. He, he's a great player. They've also got. Uh, Jamie Humphreys, who is training the house down apparently. And if he gets a bench spot, he'll probably share time at lock after hooker. Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to work, but th there's a lot more pieces to the puzzle there. He, he's been relied on for so long. And if he regresses to 70 minutes, that's that's still good for super coach, but not with his output. I actually played a footy game the other week and I made, I think I made like 10 tackles. I thought I made 50, <laughs> but uh, I watched it back. I only made 10 and 
making that many tackles is very hard on the body as it is. And he's making bloody 30, 30 to 40 a game. So uh, I don't see him making any more than that. And I don't see the attacking stats coming more often than not. So yeah, he's probably overpriced based on that. Yeah. And and not much like you're probably right. He's probably going to be around that 53, but he he's three points more expensive than what he started last year when you're considering. And he's he's hmm. getting older and dig- and digressing a little bit, and he's got no chance of attack these days. So it's just a no. Um, another guy that's just a no is I I do at the very start when the Supercoach team picker came out, there were a few people talking about Josh Schuster, and I know we just rubbished him a little bit at the start of the podcast, but if he was a starting edge back row, I understand why people looked at him because. We've got all these guys in the four to five hundred range in second row forward. If he's starting getting eighty minutes, he's four hundred sixty thousand coming into the year. He's got obvious talent. His work rate has to go up because it will be forced to. But look, I know it's five eight last year, so he's going to have better stats. But it's still only you know, it's not that much different from where from where the edge back row is standing. And he had an eighteen base and base attack it was only 20 25 combined you know base base attack of 25 even for six is really bad even if that's going to go up a little bit it's not good enough you know he had more creating stats per game at 20 line breaks line breaks his triases than he did his raw base of 18 and that probably sums up josh schuster in a nutshell and he's probably going to be on the bench. All the projected teams have him on the bench or maybe even missing out because of his calf strain that he's got for the 17th time. So I'm sure that he won't be considered. But if he does get named to start, I think that he will get considered by a few coaches. And you just, I don't think you could go anywhere near him. I'd never need to go through the numbers anymore. Just, I think that he's one of those stay aways for everybody, even if he gets named to start at 460K, pick up one of these other 17 options that are mids at secondary forward and go for them. Yeah, there's heaps of other options at second row. I think he's obviously, as I said at the start of the show, just just lazy. And the, the only difference is playing at second row, maybe it does change his mindset. I think last year he really just focused heavily on his passing game, which I didn't like. Like a big guy like that should be taking the line on and hopefully moving into the back row allows him to just run. Uh, I think his passing game is really good and I don't want him to lose that but if he thinks run first then I think he is a dangerous option and he can do well in super coach but until I see it I don't think I could go near him Nah, you, you need to see fitness out of him you need to see a consistent role and you need to see him get over his niggling injuries as well he had four different periods last year four completely different periods where he missed games from injury mm. you know and that's that's from fitness a lot of that is going to be down to his fitness. Let's move along and finish up the pod with the mids and the cheapy options. Now, you mentioned that on the uh, Supercoach Experience podcast, Jackson Parlow has been getting a bit of love from some of the other boys, and you don't see it. I can tell you I don't see it either, and I hated that the Roosters signed him. And he actually started off the season a lot better than what I thought he was going to. And I thought, okay, he's a young guy. He's gotten better. He's going to prove me wrong. And then he didn't, and then he went back to what he was. He averaged 47 a game. In 2023, that means he's the most expensive he's ever been as a 476,000 centre win. And he's on the wing, though, for Manly. So I think a lot of people will be thinking, geez, you know, the wingers for Manly score a lot of tries, Savs. And he's on that end of that back line. He's going to score a lot of tries. You know who also can score some tries? The Roosters can score some points. I know that we didn't much last year, but he actually scored 
a lot of points to start with. Like the first five games that he played, he ended up scoring six tries and he had some good scores there. So I think that's what people are looking at. You know, he started off the season with a 26, then he scored a double for a 91, a double for a 101, a single try for an 87 and a single try for a 46. He actually started off the season really well. He then started making mistakes in, in pretty much every way possible and went on to score 35, 21, 32, 27, 23, and 24 in 80-minute games. And for those that are counting, that's four of his last six games before he got dropped where he's scoring in the 20s in 80 minutes. Yeah, that's that's really bad. And it's okay if he's 300K subs, but it's not okay if you pay 476K for round one. And Manly's even got a hard draw, so I doubt that he starts the way that he did against, you know, within the Roosters jersey last year. Roosters' right wing is hot property. I remember Brett Morris coming over late in his career, and he was a weapon super coach wise, scoring tons for fun every week, scoring hat tricks, scoring two tries. And it, it just continued there at the start of the year, but obviously he didn't, uh, he didn't go on with it. And he, he's going to be playing on the left wing for Manly, which is hot property, but it's also not the hot property like the right wing for the Roosters is. So before that run at the start of the season, I honestly thought the run was better in my head. I actually thought he got way more better scores than that. But looking into it, he only got three good scores. And then after that, no good. So with him, he has not proved otherwise, apart from them three games that he is a super coach option. He's unproven. Uh, I remember when he left, the Rabbitohs the year before, he had one of the all-time shockers and he was pretty much touted one of the worst wingers in the NRL. Three games doesn't change that and 470K, I'd much rather be spending my money elsewhere. Yeah, and he hasn't he hasn't won the, the jersey outright, right? Like, it, there's a bit of competition. It's they're so, Everyone's saying that he's won it for now, but he could easily get dropped after a couple of weeks. You know, it's it's a bit of a competition for that jersey now, right? Yeah, for sure. Like they've got Brad Parker, who potentially could come in at centre, and then Garrick is on the wing. Uh, there is that potential. They've also got uh, Raymond. Uh, I don't Vega. Yeah, Vega. He's been doing well. He scored a try in the trial last week. So um, there's a few outside backs. There's Tommy Talao as well, who could potentially come in at centre. Mm. I actually think he's a better player than Jackson Paulo. So yeah, there's plenty of options there. So the third Dubovic brother. What's going to happen here? Now, mm. obviously, Benny's on the bench. And we, we can't go near him, but I think a lot of people were hoping that he might get named as a starting second row because he's center wing, second row forward eligible after playing multiple games at center last year. And he comes in at 277,000. If he's starting on an edge, I'm interested. And I, I tell you what, like a lot of the time with these guys, you say, oh, if he plays 80, I don't even care. Like if he plays 55 or 60 minutes, that's fine because he only is coming in playing 29 minutes a game from 2023, averaging 27 points. Yep. Um, he, he hasn't been a guy that's scored well, and that's going to be the issue. But as much as he's a second row, we haven't actually seen him start games as a second row. You know, he's come in off the bench and played second row, but a lot of the games that he's ended up starting, he's ended up starting them uh, as a center and they're throwing him out there when they've had injuries. So, you know, it's towards the end of last year, um, he had a few games in the back row, but not as many as you'd like to see as far as minutes go. You know, but still finish off the season with three games where the number 12 when he's back went 20 points in 41 minutes, 43 and 62, and 40 and 43. 
it's not great scoring saves, but when you're coming in off an average of 27, you don't really need much from it, do you? And if he does manage to push his minutes up into that role, into like 65 plus, all of a sudden when the draw opens up, you could actually start Ben Travojevic in your center wing. Yeah, for sure. He He's someone who I've actually... It's taken me a while to grow to him. Uh, ben Trebojevic, obviously the name, I was really excited for him to come in, but realistically he didn't meet expectations, which eh, pretty high expectations to reach, to be honest. But I think last year and even the year before, he uh, maybe not the year before, but he really showed that he's actually a pretty good player. And I think second row is his best position. And if he does start there, he, there's no sample size and he, he's priced at last year coming off the bench, uh, playing a lot of shorter minute games. I actually had him last year and he was doing very well for me uh, until he, he had a few injuries. Uh, didn't quite, the injuries really riddled, rattled him. Uh, it, he had a HIA quite early as well. So he's someone who I think if he gets the minutes, He's going to be a very handy purchase. I remember he scored, I, I could have sworn he scored a 96 against uh, the Tigers one year, but I can't find it. I think it was a couple of years ago. 2022 season, round nine, he scored 96 points against the Tigers. And that was an 80-minute game where he came in as a center. And he was in Jersey 15, but he played center, got a double. Um, and I think his brother put him over for one of those. So, yeah, he... He's got, but that's the problem too, right? Like we don't have the sample size of him playing big minutes mm. as a forward. And he is quite mature now. He's been in the system for a while. He's not exactly young, young, but we still haven't seen him have to play, you know, big minutes as a forward in the NRL. Yeah. Uh, I think this is his year. They scored a hat-trick in the trial, obviously. Uh, that's not going to happen every week. He's not going to play reserve grade side every week. It but... probably won't happen any week, to be honest. But you know, <laughs> if it does, yeah. we'll take it. And it's not only about him, it's about the lack of cheapies there are uh, available at the moment. Like I, I see a lot of sides with Kale Iro, uh, Ethan Strange, who might not get named, especially with Seb Chris coming back even. Um, I think if a cheapie at that price is locked in for round zero, I think you've got to lock them in because if you don't lock them in and the cheapies don't fall your way following that, you're going to be screwed when round one team lists come out. Yeah, and I think if if Burbo starts in the back row, he's almost a almost a must have lock and load. If there isn't many cheapies, you've just about got to do it. And he's a play in the center wing probably too. Yeah, yeah. So it, it all comes down to that jersey. I mean, what do you think as a manly fan? Because I mean, there's some there's some great you know podcasters and content creators like everyone knows how good playbook is and they've got Ben Trevojevic starting as a second rower. Um, but at the same time, you go on to some of these other sites and they don't have him there at all and he, or he's on the bench, you know, so it's a, it's a little bit hard to tell. Like some people like zero tackle have got Josh Schuster there with, with Olaquato on the other side and they think that Schuster, if he overcomes his calf, he's going to be a starter. So it's it's a little bit tricky. What's funny, when the injury to Schuster first happened and he was in doubt for round one, a lot of people put Ben Trebojevic up on their socials, uh, pretty much uh, going crazy about him. I didn't think he was going to be the first option. I thought Corey Waddell was going to be the first option. He um, came over from the Bulldogs last year, and I think Manly's always been his home. He's always been loved at Manly. 
he did really well last year, Supercoach-wise, and I would have been excited for him to come in because uh, uh, I did a whole spiel about him on our podcast uh, at a mid-range price. Uh, I think he's someone with a good ceiling. And he's a solid, uh, got solid work rate and all that sort of stuff. I thought he was going to come in and fill that position, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ben Trebojevic gets that position now. But uh, I don't know what to read into the trial team list, whether that means... Um, whether Corey Waddell not playing on the edge to start off means he hasn't got the spot or, I mean, Schuster is named on the bench this week. So if he's good for round one, maybe he gets the start, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just wouldn't be locking it in personally, but I think Burbo kind of feels like the front runner at the moment, even though I don't know if he should be. Yeah. It's funny. Like, I think, I think that Burbo has earned it. Like, hmm. And it's sort of a, if now, then, if not now, then when? Yeah. Because he's been in the system forever. He's been playing first grade for four or five years. And he's obviously a Trebojevic brother. It's like, well, if you're not going to use him, like, when are you going to do it? Yeah. And it's a point now as well where what has Schuster done to earn it in a year that that Ben hasn't done to pay his dues over the last four years to actually get a, a bit of a go, you know? So I I tend to think that he deserves it. I don't know whether they'll do that, and they have invested you know quite a bit of money in Schuster, and I guess that's the problem. Um, how does Schuster take it if he's on the bench and he's only playing twenty minutes a game and he's made to earn it? Does he kick stones? You know, whereas you know that Ben Trevojevic is actually going to be a trooper and and do his job and what's asked of him. So the coach is in a pretty tough spot. But I will tell you that I was the number one fan of the Corey Waddell fan club for several years, many years ago. Uh, I always liked him at Manly. And after the 2020 season, he averaged 39 points a game. And I called it that preseason. I was like, he's going to average 50s. There's like 11 points plus of value. And I don't think I started with him, but I think I might have even traded him in at one point. Oh, no. He scored 47 in 2021. So, I mean, he was eight points better. But I've always thought that he was better than what he's been able to show. Um, And I'm surprised that no 17s have him predicted there for Manly because he can play edge or middle. He's played 13 and he's played on the edge spots both pretty well and he's been pretty solid. Yeah. And he averaged 48 last year in 80 minute games. I think he averaged like 60 or something. So he is a real goer, but I agree with what you said. He, that Ben Trebojevic probably deserves the position that he's in. I'm really excited for him. I am too. And look, even if he plays 50 minutes, that's, that's going to be 23 minutes more than what he's priced at. And even at a poor PPM, you know, there's value there. So yeah. it, it's it's yeah. going to be difficult. Like I would, if I knew, if he was named on the bench and I knew the plan was to play Schuster, you know, 40 minutes and split time, I'd almost pick Burbo because you're going to get 13 minutes of value, which might only be seven points of value, but you also know that Schuster's probably going to go down or get dropped. And or pull another car for whatever, you know, and then all of a sudden you've already got him in your side. But you just don't know. It's a great unknown. Like Seabold could turn around and try and play Schuster for 70-plus minutes a game or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's also an unknown. It's going to be uh, – that's going to be a kick in the gut for super coaches if, if Trebojevic gets named to start and Schuster comes on for, you know, 70 to 65 minutes. Uh, I actually got Corey Waddell starts here in 80-minute games last year, average 57. So – um if things fall Ben Trebojevic and Josh Schuster's way early on, uh, and then somehow Corey Waddell ends up getting a position after coming off the bench, 
he's going to be real value. I don't think to start the season, but maybe hopefully lose a bit, loses a bit of cash. Yeah, it's a big watch on how Seabold actually uses that. And you do have to be careful because I think everybody's been burnt by Burbo as well, where you've got him on your bench and he's scoring four points as an AA. And we we don't want that either, which has happened before as well. So got to be careful. That is Manly, team preview, done and dusted with Brendan Savage. Savs, thanks very much for coming on board. Really appreciate it, mate. Always love chatting footy with you. No, thank you. I think this is my second time on the podcast and I'm much more happier about this time than last time. I remember last time I was in like a, my microphone screwed up a bit and I was like a deep voice. It was like a voice change. <laughs> it sounded like a voice change. <laughs> and so I'm glad to redeem myself today after that one. You have fully redeemed yourself. And if anyone wants to tune into a great super coach show, you make sure that you have a look at the Supercoach experience. You can find them on YouTube and watch them or you can just listen to them wherever good podcasts are found. Listen to those boys because we also have Tim Moody and Mikey from the Supercoach experience coming on for team previews shortly on the All-Stars podcast too. But that is us done and dusted. You can find us everywhere too. SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes. Definitely make sure that you subscribe though. Subscribe, then you get the episode straight away and share them around. Give all your friends an episode so they know what to listen to. But also follow us on social media, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And we'll be out with two more team previews next week again. So enjoy the trolls this week on Fox Sports. Enjoy tinkering with your side. I can't wait to watch more footy this week. I'm going to the pub to watch the uh, Charity Shield, that's for sure. Until then, enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your weekend. We'll chat more footy again real soon. Hey now, you're an All Star. Get your game on. Go play. Hey now. You're a rock star, get the show on, get...